Hello, waffle lovers. Welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle here on 365sportscast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you, as always, from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. There's a lot going on in Minnesota sports. We're going to start this week, however, with the Minnesota Wild. I've said from the start I'm not a great hockey mind. I don't follow a lot of hockey outside of peripherally keeping attention on our local team, the Minnesota Wild up in St. Paul, ousted in the first round of the playoffs once again by the St. Louis Blues. And even though the Wild had the home ice advantage, I don't think there are a lot of people saying, oh, they should handle this one. They've had so many problems with the Blues over the last few years and just can't seem to beat them, even on any kind of a consistent basis. It had been quite a while um, until until this playoff round that they had beaten the Blues. And and there's I, I've read all kinds of things on, you know, the Blues have some experience, Stanley Cup run a couple of years ago. Uh, the Wild don't have that. But the fact of the matter is that the Wild were built this year to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They made some trades at the deadline. They did a lot of good things. They set some records this year, um, people setting team records, scoring, everything else. And you get bounced in the first round of the playoffs when you have home ice advantage. To me, this is more disappointing probably for the professional hockey fan than the Timberwolves losing their first round playoff series against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Timberwolves were clearly the lower seed, even though a lot of people felt they should have won, including myself. But when you're the high seed and uh, you know you, you kind of look foolish at times and and look like you gave up at the end of that series. This is a team in the wild that had a lot of comebacks this year. Uh, I think I read that they were uh, third in the league in come from behind victories. Well, that's great, but that takes a toll on you after a while. Uh, there's only so many times you can dig out of that hole and, and climb your way back out. And at the end of a long season, if you've done that so much, guess what? You can't do it anymore. And now you're in the playoffs and things change. And again, just like the Timberwolves, I'll make that comparison again. The Timberwolves did a lot of good things during their regular season, but the playoffs are a different mindset. And and the problem here, the difference between the two franchises is that the Wild have been there consistently. This is something like the sixth straight time that they have not made it out of the first round of the playoffs. This is Twins-like. This is Timberwolves-like when they used to make some runs with Kevin Garnett there. What is it about Minnesota that we can't do that? I read something on Twitter where uh, something like the, the Twins winning percentage, excuse me, not, the, not just the Twins, all Minnesota sports teams winning percentage, Twins, Vikings, um, Wild, Timberwolves, since uh, I forget the year, 2003, 2005, something like that. It was like a 200 winning percentage. Well, that that's just not good. Um, you know, again, the Vikings tend to make it uh, more times than not and then don't make it very far. Uh, the Twins, we all know their 18 straight losses of any sort of a playoff game. Uh, this is difficult <laughs> difficult to swallow, um, and maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more at some point in the future. But as far as the Wild go, I've seen a couple of, a couple of thoughts on this too. One is that, hey, we have the nucleus. We could, we could do a lot of good things. We can build a little bit and make a run next year. And I also saw the state of, well, let's blow this thing up. Um, we had our chance this year. I don't know what the answer is. Again, not a big hockey watcher here, but certainly disappointing for all of those hockey fans. 
Well, let's move on from there. I'd like you to sit back, relax, prepare yourself for another helping of waffles, syrup optional. I've got my interview this week. I'm so excited for you to listen to Lindsay Young. She works with the Minnesota Vikings as an editor, a writer, and uh, she leads their mental health initiative. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, a really important topic to talk about. And Lindsay has some really great information and, and some really neat insight into how that works, uh, both on a personal and professional level with our professional athletes. So let's get right to it. Lindsay Young from the Vikings. Joining the program this week on 365sportscast.com, we've got Lindsay Young. She works with the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, she's here to talk about all kinds of things with the Vikings. Uh, Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Mark. I'm really happy to, to join today, and I'm appreciative of the opportunity. Yeah, so why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about um, the various roles you play with the Vikings? Absolutely. Um, so I am a writer and editor with the Vikings. Um, I born and raised in Minnesota, grew up a Vikings fan, um, really loved watching the team, especially with my dad when I was growing up. That was kind of a, a bonding experience for us, and um, also really loved writing and had a huge passion for writing and storytelling. And so when I was able to get the job with the Vikings in December of 2015, it was, you know, I know it sounds very cliche, but it was definitely a dream job. And the role has kind of grown and evolved a little bit since that time. But essentially, you know, <laughs> writing and editing, I would say probably about 70% of what I do is writing content and so that is for vikings.com or if people have the vikings app same content on there um during the season we have our uh what's called our vikings playbooks which is essentially like the game day magazine so if people come to a game at us bank stadium that's a free program magazine that is provided for all of the fans there and so we do some of that hard copy work as well and then i also uh help on the editing side so my manager is basically the senior editor and then I help him out and so do a lot of proofreading and uh, grammar checks and all that kind of stuff. I totally geek out on grammar so <laughs> that's a fun part of my job as well. Um, though writing is my first passion, I really enjoy kind of having both pieces of that and so yeah, that's that's what I do for the team. It's kind of crazy that I've been here for about seven years now. It kind of seems surreal. Wow. So. Uh, probably some of our listeners have seen some of your your content, your writing and stuff without always necessarily recognizing um, who's sure. behind it. And as an English teacher, I can appreciate that you love grammar. Um, as I listen to the bell ring, it's the end of the school day here in Richland and the kids will flood the hallways. But um, maybe, maybe you could impart some of that passion to some of my kids who struggle to capitalize the first word in a sentence and put a period at the end so <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean I was so I was actually an English uh, major with a writing concentration in college so I did not major in communications or journalism uh, I did take classes in journalism but was an English major and so really I really love words and and grammar and punctuation and all those good things but I also understand it's not everybody's cup of tea when it comes to math <laughs> and science that's not my thing so I stick where my niche is. Yep, everybody's got their their strengths, and and so uh, the thing that kind of led me to you, Lindsay, here for the program is my understanding that you're kind of leading 
the Vikings initiative to discuss mental health with our athletes. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So I am kind of the lead on a content series that we have here with the Vikings called Getting Open. And, you know, obviously kind of that play on on getting open in the game or for football, but also really um, emphasizing the idea of getting open as far as talking and just being vulnerable about topics that can be difficult to talk about and can be considered taboo but they really shouldn't be and so we actually started this series last spring and then we brought it back starting at the beginning of this month for mental health awareness month um i guess a little bit of background to the project is that i myself uh, have struggled with varying levels of mental illness throughout my life um, i have generalized anxiety disorder and have also dealt with bouts of depression and so you know there's been some parts sometimes in my life where I barely feel affected by either one and some parts that have been really really difficult and so but I've always had kind of this passion to be an advocate for mental health to potentially help other people who had experienced similar things and so it always kind of been in the back of my mind I wonder if I can somehow you know bring this into my work with the Vikings or something like that but really didn't know what that would look like um and then really long story short, I ended up um, getting COVID in October 2020, and I had a really hard time with that. I was pretty sick physically, but then also really spiraled into um, a dark mental headspace. And through that time, I was really trying, you know, I was, that sort of refueled this passion to talk about this topic. And we had a player at the time, he's now with another team, but Jalen Holmes and I can remember one day actually laying in bed just having a really rough day and like scrolling Instagram and Jalen had posted something on his personal Instagram and it was basically like resources for somebody who was experiencing uh, symptoms of depression and I messaged him and said you know hey thanks Jalen for using you know your big Instagram following and your platform to share something like this I think it's really important and he responded back that these were things that he's dealt with throughout his life and so he wanted to help others and and do what he could and so that kind of you know started the wheels turning i thought at that point maybe it would just be one story about jalen and we could kind of you know spread some light on mental health from there and uh it was some co-workers of mine actually who said you know but maybe this could be a series you know uh, maybe this could be a few more segments than just jalen and so we started talking about it and I came back to them and said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I think I could maybe get four or five segments out of this, you know? And so we started down that path. And when all was said and done, we ended up having 11 segments last spring on this getting open topic. And then at the very end, I also shared my story as well. So 12 pieces out of something that I thought would be maybe four or five. And so while I wish that there weren't so many people who dealt with these challenging things, I also know it's a fact that so many people do. And so I was incredibly appreciative of people being willing to share their stories and also honored to help tell them. Um, and especially proud to work for an organization and grateful to work for an organization that really you know, supported this, this topic and this campaign so wholeheartedly. I know that my name is on the stories and whatnot, but you know, just having the thumbs up from the organization and having several co-workers who 
are, you know, recording and designing and scheduling and doing things behind the scenes has been incredible. So I know I kind of rambled there, Mark, but hopefully that, <laughs> hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. I, it's so outstanding. You know, you use some of your own struggles to, you know, help others and, and spread that word. And and a number of things struck me. I'll kind of go down the th- list yeah. of things that struck me as you were talking there. Um, you know, the, the looking on Instagram and seeing this and Jalen being able to use his platform to help other people. And so we see some positive things, you know, hey, kids look up to this, adults look up to these these professional athletes. But there's that dark side to social media too that, do you see that that struggles with some of the uh, the mental illness and, and problems that people have? Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, I see this with, with students all the time that, geez, the stuff they see on there kind of maybe sends them into a spiral or, or they struggle with some of those kind of things too. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have, honestly, I have such a love-hate relationship with social media. <laughs> um, and, you know, with things like Twitter, like I'm, I'm on there for work and there are a lot of benefits to it. Um, but it can be a lot too. I mean, there are times where I have to just step away or shut the app, you know, because you do, you get it, we get inundated with so much information, um, you know, good and bad, but I just think we're not wired to receive that much information that quickly, especially these heavy, heavy topics. And so I absolutely see that contributing to the status of people's mental health. But the good part of it is that it allows you to connect with so many people who maybe have similar interests or similar struggles and to share content like this getting open. And so I've been really blessed to see or hear from people who maybe I've never met, I didn't know who they were, but who have messaged either me or some of the people who have been involved with the stories and just said, you know, like, thanks for thanks for sharing this. Here's my experience. or here's my, you know, my mom or my brother's experience. And so that piece of social media, I really appreciate that we've been able to connect with, you know, countless people through this content series. What do you think has been kind of the driving force here in recent years to making mental health such an important part of our discussion? You know, overall, of course, but also in regards to sports. What, what's, yeah. you know, like you said earlier, it used to be kind of taboo to talk about this. But a lot of things have changed really quickly. Yeah, I could not agree more, and I'm I'm happy that the tide is turning. You know, I can, of course, only speak for my own opinion, but I think there's a few different reasons. I mean, um, I've heard people say that so many more people now have anxiety or depression or bipolar or whatever the situation may be, and that, that might be true, but I also wonder sometimes if it's just that we talk about it more and so we're more aware of all the people that are dealing with that and so is it that there are more people or is it just that more people are talking about it um and I think one of the biggest things with sports is I kind of feel like it's one of those things where when one person gets the strength to kind of speak out about it and you see that really positive impact I feel like there's a ripple effect to that um, he certainly was not the first person to do so, but, you know, Kevin Love comes to mind. He's obviously with the Cavaliers now um, in the NBA, but I actually interned for the Timberwolves as a senior in college, and um, I believe that was Kevin's 
second season in the league and you know so I followed his career since then and a few years ago he came out and shared his experience really publicly and vulnerably um, talked about having a panic attack and what that looks like and not knowing what it was and just the mental health struggles that he was having and you know he was one where when I saw him come out and share his story I was like wow like I have so much respect for him being able to say these things and I also felt like some of the things that he was describing I felt like he was inside of my head you know and right. and I think it kind of clicked to me where Kevin is this really incredible talented <laughs> athlete I am not I write about sports for a reason we have very different experiences very different backgrounds very different lives and yet we're both experiencing the same mental health challenge and I just feel like when Kevin you know Michael Phelps has talked about it um, Hayden Hurst with the Falcons came out with a, a very, um, you know, emotionally heavy but also inspirational story. And I feel like when you start to see these athletes and people who are very facing being willing to admit what they're going through, I just think it starts the conversation among, you know, the, the general population, if you will, and people start talking about, hey, like, I really resonated with this, or it gives them either a commonality or maybe even strength to talk about something that they hadn't wanted to in the past. Um, but whatever the reasons are, I'm really happy to see it. And I think you're right that in athletics, it's showing up a lot more. And I think that people are realizing that admitting that you have anxiety or depression is not a weakness. Um, if anything, I would say that admitting that and and finding treatment for those things will actually make you a, you know, a more accomplished person on and off the field just because you're tending to your whole self. And so I think that a lot of athletes nowadays are are seeing that, and it's just kind of you know we're trending in the right direction for sure. We're here with Lindsay Young on whatever flips your waffle. She works for the Vikings as a writer and editor. And we're here talking about the mental health issues with athletes, and she's she's led a great initiative with the Vikings, um, kind of showing people uh, some of the some of the athletes and their journeys that they've taken. Um, you know, when we look at these, and we're talking about athletes and they kind of stand out there, and and people learn a little bit from that, maybe feel more comfortable finding some some ways to deal with their own. Um, mental health struggles, but has the path that we've taken with athletes kind of mirrored the same road that the rest of society is doing about feeling comfortable seeking help in this way? I feel like it's definitely getting there. I think, you know, like like you and I were even discussing offline, I think, you know, just the fact that there tends to be so much more stigma for athletes because of this pressure on them to perform and to kind of have it all together. But I think the fact that so many different um, sports teams, especially at the professional level, are sort of implementing these different resources, whether it be, you know, an on-site psychologist or um, a mental health support uh, department or having resources available, I think that's just really, really huge. And, you know, in the general population as well, that's kind of the path that we're going down, I think making it really, you know, I feel like it's so much more normal sort of in today's day and age than even, you know, I'm 34. So even now versus when I was in college, like people just sort of 
conversationally saying, oh, yeah, well, I was talking to my therapist last week or, you know, sorry, I can't come that night because I have a therapy appointment. It's like it no longer feels like this weird or taboo thing to say. And I remember being in college and like kind of wanting to plan out my route to the counseling office because it was like, well, if someone sees you on the fourth floor of, you know, this building, they kind of know where you're going. And I just love to see how things are changing really for the positive in that area. And it, when you say that, I think, and I'm a little bit older than you are. Well, okay. A lot older than you are, but, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, and it and it has, and it seems in, in education as well. I see that uh, where where kids are much more open, and and it's not a big deal to go see the counselor or the uh, school therapist or anything like that. Yeah. The the bigger problem that I see, and maybe maybe you see this as well, is you know we have more people coming forward and wanting help with this, but do we have enough resources out there? Yeah, um, that is definitely a big challenge. I feel like and just this is just kind of what I've gathered from conversationally talking to different people and whatnot is especially over the past two years of the pandemic right because I think we saw a huge uptick in people who maybe hadn't previously struggled with much um with much mental illness but because of the pandemic with people experiencing major loss or financial challenges or isolation like whatever it may be um and then you add to that even the increased societal tensions and and racial tensions, I think there's been such a big uptick. And that does concern me, you know, because I've talked to people who, yeah, I try, you know, I'm willing to go talk to a therapist and I've tried to look into it, but, you know, this clinic is booked three months out, Mm -hmm. you know, stories like that where it really bums me out. And we actually just did a segment of Getting Open where we talked to um, Dr. Matthews, the Vikings team clinician, and we were talking about um, mental health resources for communities of color and how the, you know, I think it's like 4% or something like that of therapists are are black or African-American, and that can be hard sometimes if you're seeking to find someone who you feel like you relate a little bit more to, and so I don't know what the answer to this is, but I'm absolutely seeing that challenge mark and I hope that you know I hope that this will continue to improve and that there will be additional resources but that is hard to see when it sort of feels like okay more people are coming forward but then do we have enough to meet that need right and and so not is not to put as much stress on that system the, right. the therapist the psychologist and everything but I've heard the same stories as you have boy it's going to I'm really struggling right now, but it's going to be a month before I can see anybody or two months. And of course yeah. it takes people. I mean, you have to have people who have those, those types of abilities, those jobs. And, um, that's a little bit tougher. Is Absolutely. there, is there, you know, with, with professional athletes and everything, is there a different entry point? Does their job provide them maybe better access? Cause you have a team psychologist, you have that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it probably just depends on the team and every specific situation because I know that the Vikings are really great at providing those resources. I guess I can't speak to other teams or organizations. I would hope that that is really available. Um, But that's been part of this messaging, too, is, like, if you have access to these resources, whether through your job or, you know, if you are one of these players who's on the team, like, these are really valuable resources that not everybody has the kind of access to 
that you do and so just the importance of taking advantage of those resources when you can um, and I would even encourage people I totally understand that feeling of discouragement if you're trying to seek out a therapist and maybe the first one you see isn't a great fit or you try to schedule an appointment and, and they're booked out but I will say in my own experience when I back in that fall of 2020 when I was going through a very very difficult time I really could not see the light at the end of the tunnel but I remember getting a recommendation for a specific therapist and there were multiple things said about her that made me think wow this this feels like this could be a good fit you know and I I think I talked to her like around Thanksgiving time and she was not available to see me until mid-January and that was discouraging but I do remember feeling kind of this weight lifted that I had at least taken an action step and that there was a plan and that I would get to talk to somebody. And so I think that's a big piece of it too. Um, you know, if you have access to someone or if you can schedule an appointment or even find an app or an online version of therapy, like sometimes just taking that step can really be helpful. That's a great point. You know, you feel like you have the plan in place. And, it, you know, yes. in the interim, as you're waiting for that, do you think, uh, I find sometimes it's important where if you can find somebody you trust just to talk to a little bit, not somebody who's necessarily trained, but somebody that, that you feel very comfortable and just having somebody listen to you can really help as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, I'm very thankful to have, you know, a support system in, in family and friends. You know, my mom has been just an absolute rock and really incredible through all the hard things that I've faced and also um, my roommate who's one of my closest friends she's been incredible as well but even when I was going through that time I remember there was a close friend of mine who has experienced similar things and she would sort of send me these texts you know maybe throughout the day or or you know once a day or every other day and they would just say things like hey like just know that I'm here or just you know checking in I love you like hang in there um, and just sort of these texts that I didn't feel any pressure to respond to or engage in conversation, but I felt like so seen from those. And it was like, you know, a very small lift on her part. But I think the more we can lean into that and just allow others to be there for us and to be the outlet for other people too. Like, I don't think everybody necessarily needs to like, they're not necessarily looking to spill their whole life story, but if they just know that you're there for them, and that you you know can be an ear if they want i think that makes all the difference in the world especially like you said it's not always possible to get in with a professional right away and though i'm an advocate for sure for for therapy like having that support system and kind of boots on the ground too is just as important right lindsay young is with us on the program this week she works with the minnesota vikings she writes for them does some editing um, and we're talking about mental health with everybody but our athletes as well the vikings have these resources and you've reiterated that they're they're really kind of on top of this and really trying to do the best are these resources available for everybody who works for the vikings yes okay they are yep they are so we you know our our um, team clinician is absolutely available for staff members or anybody within the organization and you know if it's not possible in that immediate time frame to you know in his schedule to talk with him like there are uh referrals and different people sort of in our network um and you know we have 
different uh, hotlines that are available for us as well. So that's been something that I've really appreciated about the organization because they make it a priority to emphasize mental health of everybody in the organization, not just, you know, the guys who are playing on Sundays. And so that has felt really great to know that you're seen and you're cared for, you know, whether you're, you know, a full-time intern or, or whether you're a team quarterback, there's really these resources available for you. And I think that's something that I try not to take, you know, for granted. Right. That's fantastic. We always think about these guys who get paid millions and millions of dollars, but everybody that works for the Vikings goes toward the success of the franchise. And so, yeah, to have that opportunity for everybody is very important. Absolutely. Um, when we look at just everybody in general, and I, again, I work with middle school and high schoolers, can participating in sports and other extracurricular activities, drama, music, all that stuff, can that help alleviate stress and anxiety? Oh, I'm a huge believer in that. And I think for multiple reasons. So, you know, I joked about myself earlier and said I'm not an athlete, which is very true. <laughs> I'm not. But even, you know, I can think of junior high and high school, like being on, you know, the JV soccer team or the JV basketball team or whatever. And for me, it really wasn't about, it really wasn't even about the competition part because if I'm being honest, like I didn't play very much, but I loved having that just team aspect. I loved being with friends and classmates outside of the classroom, you know, bus rides to the game or whatever. I was also in band and um, we would take an annual uh, band tour trip. And those were so much fun. And I think a lot of times those things like the activity is great in and of itself, but I think it also connects you to a community and gives you something to you know, kind of put your passion into. I mean, if you're playing a sport, for sure you're getting that physical activity that's great for you. But just any of those things that you mentioned, band, drama, um, you know, my sister, my sister was a, a, a theater major and she was in drama in high school. And I remember going to watch her plays and things. And I just loved seeing how close that group of students got through working together, you know, on, on kind of this collective goal. So I think at any level and whatever activity you can be in like whether whether you're a superstar at it or not I don't think matters I just think that team mentality and having a community is so so helpful when it comes to mental health you and I have something in addition to our love of grammar and everything we have that in common too I I um I actually have the bench that I sat on in basketball it's a bookshelf in my classroom <laughs> because I <laughs> I spent a lot of time on there, um, and That's incredible. Uh, yeah, and I played I played left out a lot in baseball too. But um, it is you know, uh, it, you know what, what what we've seen coming out of the pandemic is we've seen our numbers drop in some of the extracurriculars. You know, when people were stuck at home, they found other things to do that didn't involve other people, and I some, I worry about that too. That um, they found these other activities, and they can be positive activities but you're still isolating yourself and we're, and we're trying to find ways to promote these other things. Be involved in something. Don't just go home every day at the end of the school day. Be with other people. Yeah. Yes, I think that is really important. And I think maybe there's part of it too, at least I, speaking for myself, you know, like kind of, I like, I know the pandemic's not over, but coming into this better, you know, kind of space where vaccines have been available and things like that. And things have kind of started to go back to normal. 
it was weird at first. Like, yeah. I was like, okay, this is the normal I've had for 32 years, but for the past two years, it hasn't been normal. And there was like a little bit of a, you know, I had some anxiety about that of just being back in, you know, staff meetings and not doing those all online and things like that. But, and so there is sort of that, I think, transition or maybe even anxiety for people are feeling uncomfortable when they become so accustomed to like doing things in an isolated manner. But, you know, I just saw how helpful it was just to be back around people again. And so, you know, I totally echo what you're saying that hopefully, you know, kids will kind of find an activity or get back into something that does involve a group because I think there's a big benefit to that. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a big concern for a lot of people. And, and yeah, we've seen, you know, there can be stresses as well, you know, just like these professional athletes certainly have stress if, if they don't perform the way they want, if their team isn't performing. And sometimes you see that with high school kids too. Um, but I think overall the, the benefits of being part of that team, you know, make a big difference. Like you say, win or lose, uh, you're, you're out there, you're creating some memories, uh, band, drama, all those kind of things. Um, those are amazing things. I said coming out of the pan, or not, I get, like you say, we're not necessarily out of it, but um, right. like things like drama, Boy, that was as social distance as you could get if you wanted to, right? You're part on stage and and right. and everything else. So, um, yeah, we're going to continue to promote that and and get people involved in that uh, as well. Um, how hard is it? You know, coming kind of back around to, to some of the professional athletes and some of the social media and stuff. How hard is it to maintain some of the privacy issues? Because there, you know, there's some confidential things here, and and some people are very. Um, okay with being out there and talking about it others are not but Uh these are professional athletes that are in the public eye and so how difficult is that to maintain all that privacy that those people need and deserve that's such a great question and i think once again it kind of just you know it's a it's a case-by-case basis but you know there are some people who are on the team maybe don't use social media at all and so you know they keep themselves a little bit more out of the public spotlight but to your point I mean all of these these athletes or you know in whatever sphere actresses actors whatever it may be like they are you know in public facing um positions and so sometimes I think that is a challenge where you kind of feel like you know your business is just sort of out there for everybody else to to see or you know be entertained by and that's always been tough for me because I want to see everybody um, I want to see them respected and see their privacy respected and so I absolutely encourage that for people who use social media um, excuse me this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail but you know I, I even see after if there's a bad game or something or or someone makes a mistake in a game some of the the social media comments and things that they'll get you know directly tagged or directly said to them that are just cruel, cool things. I just, you know, I want to encourage people to really think about that and, and to be kind and, you know, to think about what it would be like if your everyday was under a microscope. Um, I think that would just be really hard. But to the point about being vulnerable in this type of topic, the good thing is, is that I have been really honored to be trusted by these individuals, whether it be a current player, a former player, somebody else in the organization to share their stories. Um, It's been very, very important to me to respect their stories and to make it a collaborative effort all the way through. So I understand that I'm the one writing the story because you know I I know how to put words together, I know where to put commas, but it's not my (laughs) story, it's theirs. 
And so throughout the process, you know, I'll do the interview with them. I'll write the story. Um, it's actually not typical for us to have somebody read a story about them before we put it out. That could just kind of be, you know, opening a can of worms. But when it comes to this sort of thing, I do. I go through the story with them and make sure that I correctly represented represented everything that they said, um, and just want to make sure that they're at a, that they have a comfort level with it as well. Because I'm so appreciative of them being willing to share, and it's cool to see people's excitement levels to share. You know, Jalen was the one who was like, hey, like, yeah, this might be a little embarrassing for me, or it might feel a little bit embarrassing to me to put out that I struggle with depression or anxiety, but like, if it helps one person, it's worth it. And I just love the comfort level he had reached in talking about this topic and, and realizing that like, you know, really driving home the message that it's not embarrassing and it shouldn't be embarrassing because it's a very normal thing that probably more people than you think deal with on a daily basis. And that's so important, you know, somebody out there, like he says, just help one person, they're looking up to that person. And and we always kind of look at these professional athletes as these people so far above us. But this really shows there's not a lot of difference, whether it's Jalen, whether it's somebody else, anybody. uh, The only difference is, is our job. And and that's about it. There are a lot of other things that are the same. You know, I was thinking too when you you talk about social media and the people just go ballistic. Um, a couple of weeks ago on the program here, we had Troy Ramage on. He's a big Vikings fan, and and we dissected the draft a little bit. And he made a really great comment about um, you know if you're if if you're so mad every week about your team, you know even if they win, you're mad about something. Then maybe you need to find something else to be interested in. You know, you should you should really look at it as a fun experience, win or lose. And you can be frustrated, but you don't have to spout that all out there every single week, no matter what. Absolutely. Yes, I I absolutely agree with him. And I think that he makes a great point. You know, sports are supposed to be fun. And I, you know, I really hope that through working with the Vikings and, you know, that we can make things fun for our fans. And obviously, yeah, I wish we won every game. (laughs) Um, But I agree. I mean, you know, since we're talking about mental health, like, if watching a sports team is like affecting your mental health, maybe like take a step back and kind of, you know, put things in perspective on, on what things are really important in life. Yeah, that, yep, absolutely. It's, it's hard, you know, I, it is. I'm hoping that I'll see a Viking Super Bowl sometime in my lifetime. And, uh, as, as are we all. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you so much for, for being with us this week. Um, go to Vikings.com. You'll find things that, that she's written. You'll find, You'll encounter this a lot more, I think. And uh, I'm so thankful you joined us this week and talking about really important issues here in Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, um, best of luck to you continuing forward with the Vikings. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. We'll be right back. I want to send out a very special shout-out this week to Ben Waldhauser. He connected me with Lindsay for that fantastic interview. Ben's a former student and baseball player of mine, and I always appreciate touching base with my former stars. And uh, he thought Lindsay would be a great guest on the program, and indeed she was. I hope we'll take to heart all the great things she had to say, the important information about mental health as we progress through Mental Health Awareness Month and every month. It's a very important topic, and if you need some help, um, please seek that out. Please find some friends, find some professionals 
and, uh, and, and find that help that you might need so you can get your life on a level playing field uh, just like so many other people do. And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. We speculated when we talked to Lucas Seehofer uh, a couple weeks ago about how important it would be for the Minnesota Lynx to try to get out to a good start, and they haven't. Just like last year, they've started off 0-4. Uh, they're playing as we're recording this, um, hopefully not 0-5. Changing the roster, and Lucas really had some really keen ideas on things I didn't know about how the WNBA forms their rosters and some of the limitations they have. And I was reading something this week because I had asked Lucas about should the WNBA expand? Do they need to add some more teams? There's only 12 teams right now, and he thought they should. There's also another point that um, a lot of reading I've done suggests, and that's to expand the rosters. You know, they were so limited with how many healthy players they had and people coming and going, and, and it really put them in a bind and maybe expanding their rosters to 15 like they are in the NBA, things like that. You know, give that equity um, in so many ways that the women's game could use. There are so many more talented players out there. Give them a chance, and that could really change things around. So even if, <clears throat> excuse me, even if they uh, look out there and, and think about expanding a couple more teams, maybe uh, they could expand the rosters just as well, and that might help. But hopefully, the Lynx will dig out. Lucas thought that they would have the talent and certainly the coaching acumen to be able to do that, and that they'd figure out some things once they got a little cohesive. Uh, but continued moves by Coach Cheryl Reeves, and so we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, never, never too early here to get back on the right track, and before long it could be too late. Well, the Viking schedule has come out, and I want to take a couple minutes here and kind of go through that schedule. Let's analyze this. Let's make some early predictions, and and see what we think is going to happen. It's a really interesting schedule when you look at it, and it seems to work in the Vikings' favor. A little bit with some long home stretches, um, some of the road games maybe not as formidable as one might think. Although, as we all know, in the NFL things change rapidly from year to year, and a team that last year didn't perform very well this year could jump up and uh, and make a playoff run. And, and we've seen that happen in the past. And and um, you know injuries play a role and everything else. But let's take a look here. Let's let's scroll through this team. They start off at home with the Green Bay Packers. And what a game to start off with for Kevin O'Connell and company. And I'd like to think that this could be a win for the Vikings. I'd like to think that they can come out, start on the right foot, and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home, a game that would really you know, get the season started in the right way. And first games are really funny. I've been a long-time believer that you should start the season playing some division games. I think you should play the Packers and the Bears and the Lions within the first few weeks, and then you should play them the last three games of the season too. Uh, and that really, you know, starts the right way, ends the right way. It makes for some really intriguing matchups down the home stretch. But the NFL doesn't listen to me. I want to give the Vikings this win. I really do. It's a it's a late afternoon game. A lot of people are bringing tuning in. But I'm going to give this one to the Packers. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to take a little time for a new defense to get cohesive. Um, on the other hand, it could, you know, surprise the Packers as well. But um, I'm, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. I'm going to give it to the Packers. Maybe as we get closer, I'll feel a little bit better about that. Um, but 
they are the division champions, and uh, the Vikings are going to have to show me something before I think we can beat them. Then they take the road for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think the Eagles are certainly a beatable team and a game that the Vikings will bounce back and win. I also think coming home after that and beating the Detroit Lions at U.S. Bank is really important. We, we should have lost to the Lions twice last year, and I they're a scary team to me. I keep saying that, but I'm going to have them at 2-1 and one there. Then they head across the pond, and they go over to England to play the New Orleans Saints, and I think that's a winnable game as well. Uh, it, it's, it was going to be a road game for the Vikings either way. And the interesting thing is the Vikings had the had the chance. They could have said, well, yes, we want our bye then the next week uh, to kind of recover from the time changes and everything else like that, and they chose not to. They said, we want to have our bye later. We want to have it when we're partway through the season. So that's going to be a, a tough change about, but I think they beat the Saints over there, and I think they come home and beat the Chicago Bears at home. If that was in Chicago, I might give it the Bears' way, but I think they beat the Bears at home. So at that point, they're sitting at 4-1 and one in a good position. Then they head to Miami, and Miami is, will, be, will be a really interesting team to see this year. They've made some changes, added some personnel, uh, but I think the Vikings continue on a roll and head down to Miami and win that ball game. So now they're sitting at five and one. Then they go into their bye. A, a, probably a good time for the bye. Come back out of that and play the Arizona Cardinals at home. This is a tricky game, and I, it just the Cardinals. You know they kind of go into a swoon partway through the season, but I have a feeling they're going to be guns ablaze in here, and I'm going to give this one to the Cardinals. I know it's a scary thought, but I'm going to give this one to the Cardinals, put the Vikings at 5-2. and two. Then they head out to Washington, and I think that the Washington Commanders are a team that you should beat, even on the road. So now we're at 6-2. and two. Then they head to Buffalo. They're not going to beat the Bills on the road. Just not going to happen. Stephon Diggs will probably blow up and have a big game. All right. Um, so now I'm doing my math because I haven't been keeping track of this. They should be 6-3 and three at that point. Dallas Cowboys at U.S. Bank. Oh, man, what a loss that was last year. Put them in a bad way. Um, I think it's about time we beat the Dallas Cowboys at home. That puts us at 7-3. and three. New England Patriots come to U.S. Bank on Thanksgiving. Bill Belichick's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat, and he is going to beat the Vikings at home. That puts them at 7-4. and four. Then the Jets at U.S. Bank. <clears throat> and... I'm going to give this one to the Vikings. Eight and four is their record. In a territory where you start to say, okay, we're, we're in a good place here heading toward the playoffs. But <clears throat> week 14, excuse me, I get a frog in my throat <clears throat> talking about the Vikings here. Uh, going to Ford Field, and this is a trap game. The Vikings will lose at Detroit in week 14 uh, to put them at eight and five. Then they come home, they play the Colts at home. Uh, that is a tricky game as well. Colts, quality team, but at home, we'll give it to the Vikings, 9-5. and five. Beat the New York Giants at home, 10-5. and five. Go to Lambeau Field in Week 17. On January 1st, it's going to be cold. The Vikings are going to lose 10-6. and six. And then it's going to come down to going to Chicago, Soldier Field, another cold-weather game uh, last week of the season. And I have a feeling that that game could determine whether or not the Vikings are in the playoffs. Will they be 10-7 and 7, or will they be 11-6? and 6? 
and I'm scared of that game. I'm putting the Vikings at 10-6 and six this year just when I look at that schedule. And I could be wrong in a lot of ways. I have the bad feeling there's you know again, games that they should win that they will lose. The key will be can you pull out a game that you probably aren't favored in and you win that game? Can you beat the Packers at home in the first game of the season? That's a game that they will not be favored to win. Uh, but can you can you win that game? Can you you know beat a Patriots team that's pretty good? Can you beat a Cowboys team? You know, depending how things are going, uh, whether or not they're favored in those types of games, who knows? Um, could you pull a big upset? To me, the biggest upset would be going to Buffalo and winning that game. Remains to be seen. So I have the Vikings at ten and six early, and again, it is early. We have a long time to go uh, until we get to football season, and we'll see how it goes. The Minnesota Twins, as you're listening to this, have finished up a three-game set out in Oakland, hopefully done as well as they have the first time around against the Athletics. And the Athletics just don't they don't swing the bat very well. But all three games against the Twins were one-run games. They were very close games. Uh, and if, so if the Twins have come away with two out of three wins, uh, that'll probably be a, a pretty good thing out in Oakland where they got swept last year. Um, that would be good. Then they play Kansas City. And and then come back home to play Detroit. And then it's Kansas City and Detroit again. They're playing a lot of their division games. And I've said it from the start, and the, and the Twins have kind of echoed this, that winning these division games, which by and large they've been doing two out of three against the Guardians last weekend, those are so crucial because not only do you win a game, but you keep somebody in your division from getting closer to you in first place. Um, you know, it's a direct result. You can go out and win in Oakland. Or even if you lose in Oakland and another team wins, of course, they get closer. But there's just something about beating those head-to-head matchups when they're out there. You look back at the Guardians series and you think, boy, a chance to sweep that team and really kind of put them in their place. You had Shane Bieber on the ropes a couple of times, can't score with the bases loaded and nobody outs. And that, that to me, is uh, one of the cardinal sins of baseball when you have that opportunity and you can't find a way to put runs across the plate. As an umpire, I, I talked to some people about the obstruction call uh, that Rocco got thrown out on when the Guardians runner ran into Miranda, flopped over. Um, they awarded him second base. Obstruction is a difficult call. He gets the base he's going toward. So you could argue that he had rounded first and was headed toward second, even though he didn't make a di- distinct move. But you can argue that. And I think Rocco was in the wrong there and it was the right call. An interesting uh, story has come out. You know, uh, Buxton gets asked a lot, Byron, about missing games and, and injury and stuff. And they've the Twins have kind of come out and talked about some knee issues he's dealing with, some patella tendonitis, uh, certainly not anything to mess with. And uh, Wyatt Grosskreitz, who was on the program a while back, came in and we chatted, and he said he'd rather see him go on the 10-day DL and, and get that figured out um, and then be healthy. But I just don't think that's something that goes away um, even with that amount of time off, I think this is continued maintenance. And, and they talk about how it's difficult, um, even more so for him to decelerate than anything else. And so for Buxton, of course, that's that's a tricky thing, both on the base paths and in the field. And really the plan looks to be, can we get Byron Buxton into 100 ball games this year? Can he play 100 ball games and be healthy if the Twins can make the playoffs? And at this point, I'm starting to trust in it. When he's out there, he's a difference maker, and you want him out there. But you want to be able to have the chance to have him out there in August and September and maybe October. 
and see what happens when that time comes. So for right now, I'm going to trust in, in Rocco in the front office, uh, Falvey and all those guys uh, to see what's best. It's difficult. You want to see your best player on the field as much as possible, but they're also having opportunities to win ball games without Byron Buxton in the game, and that's a key to this team as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, some very winnable games here for the Minnesota Twins, and hopefully, again, they'll continue this role, win two out of three, win two out of three, win two out of three. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On May 18th, just last year, 2021, Bailey Ober made his pitching debut in the majors with the Twins in a win against the White Sox, 5-4. He allowed four runs in four innings. Of course, didn't get the decision. Hopefully, he'll be healthy soon and pitching again for the Twins. On May 19th in 1961, Dan Dobick hit the Twins' first-ever Grand Slam at Met Stadium in an 11-1 win over the Kansas City A's. On May 19th in 2008, the Twins won 7-6 over the Rangers at the Metrodome. Bobby Karecki was forced to hit as a pitcher and picked up the Twins only hit by a pitcher outside of interleague games since the dawn of the designated hitter. Of course, we very likely won't hear about that again except on a very rare occurrence with the designated hitter in, uh, in both leagues now. On May 20th, in 1970, Rod Carew became the first twin to hit for the cycle in a 10-5 win at Kansas City. Lots going on on May 20th. In 1984, Roger Clemens and the Red Sox beat the Twins 5-4 for Clemens' first win in the big leagues. He struck out seven in seven innings. In 1986, on May 20th, the Twins acquired Keith Atherton from Oakland for a player to be named later. Atherton, of course, would pitch on the 87 World Series team. On May 20th in 1989, Dan Gladden tied a Major League Baseball record with seven official at-bats in a nine-inning game in a 19-3 win in Texas. Randy Bush also tied a Twins record that game with eight RBI. On May 20th in 1991, former twin Jeff Reardon gained his 300th save pitching with Boston at the time. Reardon, of course, the closer on the 87 World Series champions. May 20th in 1980, or excuse me, 1995, Marty Cordova tied a rookie record with a home run in his fifth consecutive game in a 10-6 loss to Seattle at the Dome. That uh, streak would end the next game. So he finished at five consecutive. Very impressive for a rookie. On May 20th in 2005, I remember this game, Carlos Silva threw 74 pitches in a complete game win over the Brewers 7-1. Think about that, 74 pitches in nine innings. That's an incredible feat by Carlos Silva. Finally, on to May 21st in 1999, the Twins traded Rick Aguilera to the Cubs for Kyle Loesch. Overall, good trade. Aguilera was... Um, had passed his prime, and Loesch gave some good years to the Twins. In 2006, on May 21st, the Minnesota State Legislature reached an agreement with Hennepin County to give the official go-ahead to build Target Field. On May 22nd, 2009, Michael Kadire hit for the cycle in an 11-3 win over the Brewers at the Metrodome. On May 23rd, in 1990, not a great memory, the Yankees hit six home runs in beating the Twins 12 to nothing. 
been going on a long time. In 1997, on May 23rd, the Twins and all other Major League Baseball clubs retired the number 42 for Jackie Robinson. The only people who were allowed to wear 42 after that point were ones who already had that as their number. And of course, Mariano Rivera, the great closer for the Yankees, was the last man to wear that number. On May 24th, in 1964, Harmon Killebrew hit the longest home run in Baltimore's Memorial Stadium at 471 feet. For our local listeners, this week in the Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva Sports, May 19th, golf boys and girls have the Gopher Conference Tournament. Uh, baseball is at Waterville Elysian Morristown. Softball has a home game against Tri-City United. And the track team has their last regular season meet up in Wasika. On May 20th, softball is at Southland, and the baseball team is home against Southland. And then on May 21st, baseball is at Triton, and thus the regular season is finishing up. May 23rd, softball playoffs at the high seed. We'll hope that our Panthers, they should have a high seed, I would believe, um, will have a home playoff game that day in New Richland. That's going to do it for another helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you decided to spend an hour with me again. Hope you'll continue to tune in each and every week right here at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. Remember, if you can't catch the original broadcast, each week's episode will replay Thursday at 10, Friday at 7, Saturday at 10, Monday at 8, and Tuesday at 10 Eastern Standard Times. You can also go to YouTube, search up whatever flips your waffle. You can watch and listen to both this episode and any previous episodes, um, whatever flips your waffle, I guess. Remember, if you have some thoughts about the program, uh, if you think that you might make a good interview, email me at waffleflipper22 at gmail.com. Message me on Twitter at MrD1973. Next week, we're right back to the world of Minnesota sports. Will the Twins still be in first place in the American League Central? Will the Lynx have come out of their funk and start playing the Lynx style of basketball we've come to expect here in Minnesota. Coming back and find out, I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.